Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for who you are. God, your grace is truly amazing. (laughs) When we don't deserve your love, God, you embrace us, you engage us, you don't condemn us. Uh, God, thank you for that promise each and every day that we can sit at your feet, Lord Jesus. Thank you for each person in this room. Whatever we bring through these doors today, God, meet us in that space. And God, may we submit this time to you and may the words of my mouth and my thoughts be holy and pleasing to you, Father God. We pray all this in your son's name, amen. Uh, real quick, uh, how many of you have a special spot, like a personal space, a sacred spot? Maybe it's in your house, maybe it's an armchair in your favorite room, maybe it's in your backyard under a tree in a hammock. I wish I had a hammock under a tree. Maybe uh, if you're Gary Maxwell, it's on a bike going about 20 miles an hour next to the beach, or if you're Bob, Right? Or if you're Michael Simone, it's the left field line at a Norfolk Tides baseball game, a noon start, right? We all have those spaces and places that we call our own. They're kind of sacred, right? After a long day, maybe we go there, just unwind, lose track of our thoughts, lose track of time. Um, we, we, we all have those places, right? And when I was growing up, I grew up in the great state of Ohio. Go Buckeyes, don't hold that against me. Uh, the Buckeye State, the heart of it all. Grew up just north of Columbus, uh, bleeds scarlet and gray. Uh, but I uh, grew up on Del- in Delaware, Ohio, north of Columbus, Byers Road, on a 15-acre farm and wide open spaces for kids to explore, have a good time. In fact, I love taking our kids up there. My parents still live there. I think there's a picture there of when we visited this past summer. Good times there. But there's one particular spot there at the farm that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the basketball court. There it is right there. As you can see, <laughs> it's gotten a lot of action through the years. Uh, but I remember being in middle school. How many of you have middle school students, high school students? Yeah? Uh, it, it is a difficult time in life. You're trying to figure out who you are, trying to figure out who you're not. It's kind of an identity crisis. Um, and you're trying to be, uh, I don't know about you, I, I was trying to be a thousand different people to a thousand different people, trying to be this way for this person. At the end of the day, it's just exhausting. It's just tiring. Right? And so I remember coming home in middle school, my mom would greet me with a Capri Sun and some cookies. I'm still a mama's boy after all these years, uh, not ashamed to admit it. But I would get home and she would give me a big hug and then I would go out to the court and there was something about the sound of that ball on the concrete. And there was something about seeing that ball sail through the air, swish, nothing but net. I was just in heaven. It was my, my refuge from the storm, my safe haven. I remember just getting lost in my thoughts out there. I was always encouraged and just uh, excited to be there on the basketball court. Um, What if I told you, what if I told you there is a place we can go to anytime, anywhere, at the drop of a hat, we can go there and it's airtight, right? It's a fail-safe spot, guaranteed to give you satisfaction, encouragement, fulfillment, peace, right? We all want to know what that space is because we all grow weary. We all get tired. We all become exhausted with life. We're either coming out of crisis, we're in the midst of crisis, we're about ready to go into it. I mean, can can you relate to that? It's not if the storms come, but when they come, uh, where do we go? And there's a particular space that is available and accessible to each and every one of us, no matter how young we are, how old we are, wherever we are, And that is, Sunday school answer, one, two, three, ready, Jesus, at the feet of Jesus. That is the title of this message, at the feet of Jesus. 
All throughout the scriptures, we see people uh, do whatever they can to get to the feet of Jesus, to get into the presence of God, from the street to the feet of Jesus. All throughout scriptures, we see people doing that. Why? Because it has enormous implications for our lives. There's three truths that we discover in this story this morning. This sinful woman makes her way from the street to the feet of Jesus, and something special happens in her life. And something special can happen in our lives if we make it our priority to sit at the feet of Jesus. How would it impact our relationships? How would it impact our marriages? How would it impact our workplace, our family, our friendships, our neighborhoods? Um, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited about the implications that has on our lives. Um, Let's turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and we'll start reading there. Uh, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. So up until this point, Jesus had developed a pretty good following. He was trending on Twitter. Anybody on Twitter out there? Anybody not ever heard of Twitter, right? He was trending on Twitter. He was the talk of the town. Huge crowds were following him. Uh, So far, he had healed a centurion's servant, a Roman centurion's servant. That was a big deal. He healed a man with a withered hand. He healed a man who was paralyzed. Uh, He raised a widow's son from the dead. I mean, this guy was kind of a big deal, uh, and he was developing a pretty good following. So these religious people, these Pharisees, they were kind of the gatekeepers of the law. They were the ones used to all the big crowds. And so all of a sudden, here's this young buck, Jesus, stepping on their turf, And here's Simon, the Pharisee. We learn his name is Simon. He invites Jesus over to his house. I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, let's play some board games. Let's hang out. You know, we'll we'll, we'll tell some jokes. It wasn't like that. I'm sure he had some ulterior motives. Why? To catch Jesus in some heresy, to trap him, and to turn him into the authorities because he felt threatened by Jesus. And so here Jesus is, chilling out, hanging out at Simon's house. The next verse, verse 37, we read, and behold, and behold. Let's stop there for a second. I love this word. It's not a word we use in everyday life. I'm sure you didn't wake up this morning and say, honey, behold, it is spring forward day. <laughs> it is so good to be awake, right? Behold, honey, I'm home. We, we don't say that kind of like, stuff. Uh, behold, I love this word because it, it means to stand in awe and be amazed. Stand in awe and be amazed. It means get on your tippy toes It means strap yourself in, brace yourself, because something pretty amazing is about to go down, right? Behold, behold, behold. You see that all throughout the scriptures, what if we, Spring Branch, had a behold mentality? What if we woke up and said, behold, maybe not audibly, because that'd be weird, but what if we just were living, expectant, anticipating God doing something big, something amazing, something special that day in our midst? I think so oftentimes we're so busy going from point A to point B that we fail to to, to notice God doing something around us, miracles around us. We're so much in a hurry, life in the fast lane, going at warp speed, 100 miles an hour, that we fail to see that Jesus is in the room. And we have a chance to sit at his feet and experience a miracle. Behold, have that mentality. Be expecting, be looking for God to show up in your life, even in the small things. Behold, something amazing is about to go down. Brace yourself. 
strap yourself in. A woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So here's this woman, and she's a woman of the city. Okay, interesting here. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, Luke's a physician, so he's big into details, very meticulous about the details, and so it's kind of fascinating. But she, he says that he, she's a woman of the city, not just in the city, she's of the city. Interesting, right? She's kind of followed the way of the world. She's kind of become one, joined at the hip with the culture. Um, she's conformed, if you will. And so she's of the city. Uh, scriptures say that she's a sinner. We can assume she was maybe a harlot or a prostitute. Uh, she'd been on the block a few times. Um, but she was seen in society as kind of low life, riffraff, outsider, outcast, low on the totem pole, socially inferior. But here's this woman, bold, courageous, right? <laughs> and women in that culture were not held in high esteem. So she's breaking all kinds of barriers. She steps into this Pharisee's house with an alabaster flask of ointment. Alabaster is this, uh, this outer, this, this flask that is shipped, especially from India. It's very expensive. It uh, properly and effectively seals the fragrance inside. So when you open it, the, the fragrance just, it, it just consumes the room and it's potent and it's fresh. So she brings basically her life savings. Our treasure, our heart is where our treasure is, right? So she brings her treasure and she presents it at the feet of Jesus. That's how desperate she was. And by the way, desperate people need Jesus. Comfortable people don't need Jesus. This woman was desperate. She was broken. And Jesus is so attracted to our brokenness. Proverbs 28, 13 says that, that whoever, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's what this woman was doing. She was beaten up, bruised, burnout. She'd hit rock bottom. She was forgotten. She, would, she brought all her habits, hangups, and hurts, all her tears, all her scars to the feet of Jesus in that moment. See, there's no barrier that separates us from the, from the love of Christ. There's no barrier. Jesus doesn't draw a line. Anybody, regardless of what we have done can sit at the feet of Jesus. And guess what? She didn't have to make an appointment. <laughs> she didn't have to make this special appointment. He was accessible. He was available. And guess what? He's accessible and available to us at any time, anywhere. See, sitting at the feet of Jesus can happen through music. It can happen through media. It can happen uh, through his, God's creation. It can happen through interactions and relationships with other people. At the drop of a dime, we can commune and talk to Jesus and pray to him and sit at his feet. See, Jesus isn't after our success. He's an, he isn't after that. He wants our hearts. He wants our dependence. He wants our repentance. He wants our hearts that are confessing our sins to him and realizing that apart from him, we can do nothing. He wants people who are desperate, who realize their sin, the extent of their lostness, to sit at his feet and be consumed by his grace. So what is it that stirs up your affections for Jesus? Because I guarantee that when we sit at the feet of Jesus, just like this woman, we find rest for our weary souls. And that's the first truth we discover at the feet of Jesus. We find rest, write that down, we find rest for our weary souls. 
Life is going by so fast. I was talking to, to Troy earlier, and he was just commenting on how quickly life is going by, how his kids are getting older and going from one meal to the next, survival mode. It's true, I can relate to that. Billy Graham, when asked later in his life what surprised him most about life, he said this, he said the brevity of life, the brevity of it, how short life is. Wouldn't you agree? Seems like yesterday, seems like yesterday. Life is flying by at warp speed. May we prioritize our time at the feet of Jesus. St. Augustine says that our, our hearts will not find rest until they rest in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that true? Dag Hammerskold, famous author, he says that the best and most wonderful thing that can happen to you in any given day is that you sit and be still and let God speak to you and let him work in your life. What kind of difference would that make as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mom, as a brother, as a sister, as a neighbor, as a grandma or grandpa, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, if you're an empty nester, if you're a young married, a young professional, whatever challenge you're facing, what if the first thing you did was to sit the feet of Jesus and find rest for your weary soul? Rest for your weary soul. What did she do? She kept kissing his feet. Her tears represented her sins and they just flowed out of her. She'd made a lot of wrong decisions in her life, but she made one right decision that day, didn't she? That could right all the wrong decisions. From the street to his feet. There's a perfect tense here. In grammar, it's this perfect tense. It means there's this ongoing nature, this continual repetitive action. She kept kissing, kept crying. She kept wiping her feet. She kept anointing his feet with this special ointment. Over and over again, clearly she was worshiping Jesus. Do we worship him like that? Do we lose track of time because we're so consumed by his greatness and his love? That's what this woman was doing. That's what she was doing. And she found rest for her weary soul. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, can you imagine him saying this to himself, kind of under his breath, murmuring, right, gritting his teeth? Oh, if this, this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, ooh, can you imagine the size of the lump in Simon's throat, right? He thought he was just thinking that to himself. He thought he was just saying that quietly to his neighbor. Uh, have you ever been in class or in, a, or in a meeting and your boss or your teacher kind of calls you out and you're like, ooh, ooh, your palms start sweating. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, Jesus says. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. You've judged rightly. And he goes on, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. 
You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The second truth we discover at the feet of Jesus, Spring Branch, is that we are loved just the way we are. We are loved just the way we are. Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus here tells, tells this story, this little parable, and he connects, he, he connects the, the woman uh, to the one who owed the most, right? The 300 denarii, 500 denarii. Uh, he, he, and he compares the, the, the he, he, he compares the Simon the Pharisee to the one who owed, uh, who owed, who owed 50 denarii. Which one loved, loved him more, right? Which one was more excited? Which one was more excited? How many of you have some kind of debt, maybe a car debt or uh, a school debt? Uh, when, I, when I married Lindsay, I married into her school debt, right? And she, she married into my high car insurance. Um, I, I set a pretty good pace, uh, a few tickets early on uh, in life, early on when I was between 16 and 25. And so uh, we both married into things. But can you imagine, I can't imagine Sally Mae calling me and saying, Heath, Lindsay, the slate's been wiped clean. The debt has been canceled. You are good to go. I mean, can you imagine the celebration? We'd invite friends over. We'd throw a big party. Um, Great forgiveness equals great gratitude and great love, right? Are you aware of how much you've been forgiven? Are you aware that the God of the universe stretched out his arms on the cross for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus? He paid the ultimate price for all of sin and fallen short, the, the, short of the glory of God, but through Jesus on the cross, our debt has been paid. How much more do we rejoice and celebrate? How much more are we grateful at the feet of Jesus for what he has done for us? New beginning, fresh start. The old is gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Do we love people like that? Do we have this debt-free relationship with other people? Lindsay, my wife, I've never experienced a more tangible, concrete example of Christ than through my wife. I definitely, to use a football metaphor, I overkicked my coverage. I married up big time. Uh, Lindsay, uh, she fully knows me, yet fully loves me. Uh, all throughout our marriage, there were various instances of, uh, man, she could have shamed me. She could have come down hard on me. She could have condemned me or thought less of me. Um, but she expressed love and grace to me. And she modeled Christ to me. How many of you uh, love other people like that? They don't have to earn your love. You just love them freely and just openly with grace. That's the way that God loves us through Jesus, this debt-free, no-strings-attached relationship. You see, loving people isn't controlling their conduct, right? Loving people, as Bob Goff says, loving people is caring for them without an agenda. No strings attached. It's a never-breaking, never-stopping, always-and-forever love. Where Jesus loves us just the same. I love, I love, this, I love this story. Uh, because I think it begs the question, do we spend our whole life avoiding the very people that Jesus spent his whole life engaging? 
right? Do we surround ourselves with people? Are we open and inclusive to people who are hurting, who are lost, who are confused, and who are in need of a friend? Jesus died for all people, for God so loved the world that he gave, us, he, he, uh, gave his only son to whoever should believe in him. The thing I appreciate about Spring Branch is I've gotten to know this church. Uh, there's a hunger uh, project this week, Toys for Tots. I love the open-mindedness and the, the, the externally focused mission that this church has in the community. We're extending this debt-free love and grace to people in this community. I love that. Let's move on. Verse, 30, uh, verse 49. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can you imagine the bounce and the, st- and the step of this woman, the twinkle in her eye as she walked away with her soul at rest, filled with the love of Jesus, She walked away, overcome with this perfect peace that transcends all understanding. Can you imagine the transformation in her heart in that moment? Um, When I was um, early on in high school, uh, I had uh, four surgeries on my knee. And uh, it was the third surgery. My mom had to take me all the way to Boston to have this special procedure, had to put staples in my growth plate. My leg was growing crooked. And uh, up until that point, uh, sports was my identity. I was Heath, the basketball player, Heath, the soccer player. That was so much of who I was. And so I remember waking up from this surgery in Boston, and my mom is there at, um, at my bedside, and she is so comforting and compassionate. Uh, she just said, Heath, I love you. It was a successful surgery. And um, a little while later, she, um, I'm, I'm kind of began to come to, and she said, Heath, um, the news is, is that you, you will never be able to play basketball or soccer again. And it was, it was devastating to me, devastating to me. I was this happy-go-lucky, uh, social, outgoing guy who had tons of friends, uh, the life of the party. But for the next two, three months, I was just down. I was depressed. I was discouraged, disappointed. Um, but you know what happened during that place of rock bottom? I was at the end of my rope. You know, what, you know who's at the end of our rope? Jesus' office, the office of Jesus is at the end of our rope. He does his best work at the end of our rope. You see, our failure isn't final in the eyes of Jesus. Our failure is grounds for revival in the eyes of Jesus. See, the potential of our future is greater than the pain of our past. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. And I remember getting on my knees at the feet of Jesus during that time, And I remember just crying out to God, why, why, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Just like David in the Psalms, God, where, why, how, what? But you know what? God reminded me of who during that season. He reminded me of who he is. That he is a God of love. He's a God of compassion, a God of grace who had a plan. I can look back on my life. I can see how he orchestrated different events along the way that helped shape me and mold me and chisel me into who I am today. You say, we, should, we shouldn't dwell on the past. It shouldn't define us, but it should, re, it should refine us, right? And it should prepare us for that next step. See, through that experience, God gave me a peace, 
a peace that said, you know what, Heath, you're going to be okay. I love you. I'm with you. You can find rest at my feet. You are loved by me. And you can make that step, that next step with peace and that confidence that everything is going to be okay because I am going to be with you. See, peace, peace means in this story, it means uh, in our lives, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. This commentary says it so well, that it's a peace. The source of that peace isn't in material things. It isn't in success. It isn't in our performance. It isn't in our reputation. A peace, the source of our peace, is found at the feet of Jesus, Spring Branch. What would our jobs look like? What would our workplace look like, our family, our neighborhoods, our friendships look like? if we prioritize time at the feet of Jesus each and every day. See, it's not about the posture of our body, as Billy Graham says. It's about the posture of our heart that really counts when we pray. Every day, all day, conversation, he is accessible to us, and he is waiting for us to speak with him and receive our nourishment and our sustenance from him. Step in to that job, step in uh, to that difficult relationship, that difficult conversation with peace, that deep breath, uh, a peace, that it's gonna be okay, that God is with you. Um, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you watched uh, Billy Graham's funeral. Um, that's still fresh on my mind. What a legacy, what a mark he left behind in this world. Hundreds of thousands of people received Christ because of his ministry. I remember watching the funeral, and I believe it was his daughter, Ruth, uh, sharing this story. It brought me to tears as I was watching it. Some of you may have, may have seen it. But she tells this story of when uh, she, uh, was this, uh, she was a mom of teenagers at some point, and uh, she experienced a divorce for one reason or another, uh, and, and she, she found herself kind of lonely. And then she met somebody uh, somewhat quickly following her divorce, and she remembers calling her parents, Billy and Ruth, and saying, Mom, Dad, guess what? I met somebody. I met somebody, and I think he's the one. I think, I think we're going to take the next step and get married. Uh, they hadn't met him yet, and they said, Ruth, we want to meet him before you take this next step. It seems kind of quick. It seems kind of quick. But she said, Mom, Dad, you don't know what it's like to be single and to be divorced, to be a single mom. You don't know what that's like. And she turned the other way. She disobeyed the advice of her parents. She married this man, and sure enough, two months later, she found her marriage in shambles, and she was filled with regrets and shame. And she remembers driving across country, two-day journey all the way to North Carolina, and driving up this windy hill up to her parents' house. And she remembers coming around that last turn, and the first thing she sees is her father, Billy, standing on the edge of the porch waiting for her. In anticipation of her arrival, and Ruth's her mind is just swirling with thoughts and doubts and fears. She gets out of her car. Her dad meets her halfway, and guess what happens? Her dad gives her a big bear hug, and he whispers in his ear, "Welcome home. Welcome home." As I'm watching this, I'm just I'm crying because. Uh, many of us have been there where we're expecting uh, condemnation. We're expecting just this harsh, heavy-handed discipline. But in that moment, Ruth experienced grace 
There wasn't an, and I told you so kind of a moment. There wasn't any shaming. There was grace and forgiveness and love in that moment. You see, this morning and every day for the rest of our lives, the God of the universe, the savior of our souls, the sustainer of all life is whispering in our ear, our heavenly father saying, welcome home. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, welcome home, welcome home. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that every day. I just want to close our eyes for just a second. Bow your heads. We're going to just conclude our time together at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. I don't know what fears, what kind of doubts, what kind of anxieties, what kind of hurts or hang-ups or habits you brought through the doors today. Maybe you're like the Pharisee. You've just kind of been around Jesus. You've you kind of check the box off, you go to church, you may serve, you may give. But what if you were like the sinful woman this morning and just knelt at the feet of Jesus and just worshiped him over and over again and surrendered your heart to him in this moment? Whatever you're holding on to, release it to Jesus. He is strong enough to shoulder our pain. He is strong enough to shoulder our doubts and our fears. Give that over to him in this moment. Sit, kneel, cry, confess, repent at the feet of Jesus. And may you know that you can find rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. May you find rest today at the feet of Jesus. May we find a love that is never breaking, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever. Unconditional love of Jesus. And may we be filled with a perfect peace, a peace uh, that fills our hearts wherever we go, whatever situation we step into. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you will do. And we thank you that we can sit Jesus, and hear the two words, welcome home. Pray this in your name.